And now, brought to you by CK and WWFD Productions, we bring you the next instalment of Popcorn and Monsters. Chapter 7 Family Can Be Complicated Wolfie was right. Lumpy was still in the child stage of their existence, but here is where he differs from your average kid. He was built differently. Literally. Lumpy didn't know it yet, but the reason that his learning development was coming on so quickly was due to his body part's physical memory. He may well have only been alive for the best part of two months, but the parts that made up who he was were older and weren't following the usual period of growth. They were catching up. They were remembering. And that included, of course, his brain. Say what you like about the Mad Baron. He could pick a brain. Right now, though, Lumpy was feeling very much like a small child. He knew that something had joined him in the room, but he was paralysed with fear of the unknown. He was terrified. Now, Lumpy was a man, technically men, who could easily frighten bears, smash the foundation of a skyscraper, or ride a blue whale bareback, but he was still scared. However, he knew what he had to do. He had to go and see. Slowly, Lumpy pushed himself away from the solidity of the wall and started over to where the beanbag chair was. He wasn't sure if the room had increased in size again or if it was just because his eyes were open so wide. But no, he realised that it was bigger. As he passed the kitchen, he tiptoed forward to the sofa and crouched behind it to hide himself but this is kind of hard to do when you've got a head the size of a small filing cabinet. Getting down on his hands and knees he edged forward to the end of the couch and slowly peered around the corner to see what he could see. The beanbag was at the far end of the room and because there was no artificial light it was swathed in darkness. Lumpy thought He saw a figure lying on the bag, but he couldn't be sure. So he gathered together all the big boy courage he could possibly muster and shuffled forward on his hands and knees towards his next destination, the table in the middle of the room. It didn't click in Lumpy's busy head that the table wasn't actually there a few minutes ago. It showed up when the new person did, just as a sofa had shown up when Wolfie had and a kitchen appeared when Mummy arrived. Nobody had found it yet, a drinks cabinet made from rosewood had shown up when Count and Igor made their debut in the room. Why? We'll find out in good time. Right now, though, Lumpy was on a mission. His oddly coordinated limbs managed to get him under the table without him falling over, and he paused to take stock. Using eyes that once belonged to a pickpocket, the pickpocket's own, not ones he had stolen. Lumpy looked around, but he still couldn't see anyone or anything. He started slowly edging forward again. As he got closer to the beanbag chair, he was now sure that there was a figure on it, and while Lumpy was being quiet as he possibly could, 
there was a snag. He was just slightly wider than the table and it came with him. Its metal legs banged on the floor with each shuffle forward and he started to shake like a wet dog to try and get himself free. Panic started to take over his body and mind and the shaking got worse. And then, two leather boot-clad feet appeared in front of his eyes and he froze with fear. My boy, would you like me to help you with that? Lumpy was on his hands and knees with a table wedged to his huge frame, staring at a pair of haggard brown leather boots. But he wasn't scared. As soon as the booming voice spoke to him, he felt a warmth that resonated from it. The newcomer lowered himself to his own hands and knees. Here's the plan. I am going to grab the edge of the table and lever it away from your back. Now, you're stuck. So while I do this, you need to scrunch yourself as small, okay, as less big as you possibly can. Do you understand what to do? Lumpy raised his head, his neck bolts creaking like an old door in a haunted house, and then he looked into brown eyes that relaxed any remnants of fear that he had left. Hello, smiled the new face. You understand what we have to do? Lumpy knew the word he needed, and with a rumbling that started in his boots, gathered speed up his legs, banged round his diaphragm, and then zoomed up his throat, he said, Yes. You think he's all right? I mean, he's just a kid, really. Not that I've got kids. Never felt the need to produce another me, to be honest. Not really father material. Not that I think of Lumpy as my kid or anything. Just concerned, it's all. Nothing else. The other three were looking at Wolfie with conflicting thoughts. Obviously, they wanted to mock him in a fun way, but they also knew the matter at heart. They were all worried about Lumpy. Even the Count. A bit. Listen, Wolfie. We are all concerned, said Igor. He cast a subtle eye over the Count as he said this. And we have done all we can. And they had. Wolfie had sniffed all over the room, the walls, the floor. He had even jumped towards the ceiling and had taken in a huge whiff. But the only thing he could smell was, again, popcorn. Wolfie, we have searched as much as we can. You have smelled nothing out of the ordinary. No trapdoors, hidden passages or windows. No strange buttons, levers or mystical mirrors. Now we have to wait until the door does its magical, annoying trick. I know, Igor, but we don't know what came through. I've been racking my brains for who or what it could be. My monster's mythology is not the best. I was never really into those style of films. Always been more of a film noir Humphrey Bogart fan myself. Mummy asked the question. Who's Humphrey Bogart? Can he help us? Only in the movies, Mummy. They sat and they waited. And they thought about who was in there with Lumpy. (sighs) 
Are you ready, my boy? Lumpy looked at the man, who had a huge grin on his face, and nodded his head. Okay, on the count of three, you scrunch, and I'll flip the table. Got it? Okay, one. He grabbed the table's edge. Two. Lumpy scrunched. Three! The table and the man both went flying backwards, and Lumpy was pulled up onto his feet by the table's backward force. A voice from the floor spoke. I say, my boy, could you see your way to helping up an old man up from a hard floor? With a giant smile on his face, he gently lifted him from the floor, placed him on his feet, and then gave him a hug. Your kindness is welcome, but but breath needed to live. Lumpy felt the smacks of hands on his back and the colour on the face of the new man. Then he gasped and let him go. As the man got his breath back, Lumpy looked at him, which was a lot easier to do when you aren't imprisoned by a table. The man, for he was a man, stood tall and wide. Not the same as Lumpy, but then again nobody is, but for a man he was what could be best described as wardrobe-shaped. His face was reddish, and if Lumpy knew the word, he would have described it as ruddy. He wore a floor-length brown trench coat that seemed to be made of pockets, and a wide-brimmed floppy leather hat, upon which was a band that held what looked like darts and a drinking flask. Alcohol, not water. What really stood out for Lumpy, though, was the man's brown eyes and beaming smile. They were the friendliest he had ever seen. Okay, he hadn't seen that many, but he was still mainly working on instinct, and this man gave him happy feelings. He looked at Lumpy with his kind eyes. We're both fine now, correct? Correct, (gasps) replied Lumpy, who gasped at his own unexpected response. Good, good, now... Where the bloody hell am I? Do you happen to know? I was with my cousin in the Carpathian woods in the midst of yet another expedition to rid the land of the unclean and the evil and all the other rubbish he would spout. I'd nipped behind a tree to, you know, and all of a sudden there was an odd popping sound and I ended up here. Oh, very strange. But at least I don't have to listen to that obsessed cousin of mine. Lumpy could only shrug an answer to his new friend. He wanted to say that he was in the dark as much as he was, that this particular conundrum had his thoughts and fears all of a quiver, and there seemed to be no explanation for any of these bizarre happenings. However, a shrug would do for just now. No problem, not a problem. I'm sure a bit of investigation will shed some light on this situation. For the immediate future, however... Do you happen to have a kettle? I could murder a cup of tea. The four were in silence. Well, almost in silence. Mummy had started dusting the walls with himself. Wolfie was trying to get rid of an eyebrow hair that seemed to be growing quicker than the rest, which was impressive. Igor was remembering a time when he once said who when he should have used 
whom, and the Count was filing his teeth. And then there was a whirring sound and a flickering of light and one of the walls came to life. Images filled it, dark mountains beneath a dirty sky. In the background, a castle was surrounded by lightning. I don't believe it, said Wolfie. What is it? Mummy sounded slightly panicked. Count said, It's my home. The images on the wall were slowing down, but it wasn't a camera movement. It was happening again. Wolfie said, Okay, here we go. We'll be able to get back through to Lumpy and see if he's alright. Wolfie, Mummy and Igor all waited beside the wall as it started its blurring between a wall and a door. The images had now frozen on the wall. The Count was still staring fully at them, looking at his home. The door appeared and the three burst through with fists up, ready to fight. However, they found Lumpy dwarfing a cup of tea in his fists while the new inmate sang him a song that only sailors should be singing. I say! More company! Splendid! Where did you come from? Oh, I didn't see that door before. Have I been overdoing the sherry? Mummy spoke. It shows up from time to time, but we... Who are you? You! The Count roared from the already fading doorway. So this is your doing, is it? Well, you will never get me. Wolfie burst in. What's going on, Count? You're going to have to be quick. The door's nearly closed. The newcomer stood rigid. Count, I promise you I mean you no harm. Please, come through. With a look that could have withered lead, the Count said one last thing before the doorway closed. You expect me to believe that? After your persecution, I will never give you that chance, Van Helsing. The door vanished, along with the Count. There were gasps at the name Van Helsing, a name such as that came with a certain reputation, especially to those who were known as monsters. Well, I don't think he took my being here particularly well, did he? (laughs) If he had only given me a chance to explain. I guess I can't really blame him, considering... No, I don't think that you could blame him, considering. Ah, Igor, at least you are here. Please, I beg, with your permission, can I give my side of the story? What do you say? I'm sorry about an Igor. Wolfie chipped in before Igor could answer. You're Van Helsing. The Van Helsing. Wolfie. From what you have told us so far, you are probably thinking that this is Abraham van Helsing, scourge of the so-called monsters. This is, I believe, his cousin, Gabriel. Not that that matters. And they have been a curse to us for many, many years. 
Igor was definitely scowling now, and it was quite the sight to see. You need to explain yourself. Firstly, tell me how you know my name. Obviously, you have a massive trust issue with me, Igor, and I can quite understand as to why. My cousin's reputation will do that, and on my life, I will fully explain in due course. As to how I know your name, well, I have a vast interest in supernatural beings, also known as monsters, by those who are scared and small of mind. If you will permit me, this requires a little bit of backstory. Van Helsing saw a subtle shift in Igor's posture and smartly added, But I will try to be quick. When I was a small boy, all my interest was focused on books. I had no friends, but that didn't bother me nor my parents. They were both educationally minded and seemed pleased that I was of similar inclinations. I simply enjoyed the feel of a new book for the story that would transport me and the knowledge that would eventually make me the man that I have become. Van Helsing looked at the doubtful looks upon the faces that stared at him. Igor, Wolfie, and Mummy all had a dash of blank and a big dollop of doubt. Not Lumpy, though. Lumpy had the look of one who had just found out the biggest present under the Christmas tree was in fact his. What I mean is, I have studied since I was a small child and tried to learn all I could about these mysterious creatures that were supposed to haunt our lives, hide in our cupboards or under our beds. The reason that I started to study them was because nothing ever happened to me or my family and this intrigued me. I wanted to know. I wanted to know all about these curious experiences that always seemed to be just out of reach but forever lurking. I wanted to know what made them what they are and sometimes who made them what they are. He looked at Lumpy at this point and Lumpy's face broke into a grin, which was terrifying. Is this relevant or are you just killing time until you trap me somehow? Wolfie uttered a bark of shock. Igor, I've not known you that long, but you've seemed such a dignified dude who kept any disagreements to yourself. Who is this guy? Igor just ignored him. Why don't you get to the point? I have a vast reservoir of patience, but thoughts of your history is rapidly draining it dry. So, if you could, please be succinct. An absolutely reasonable request. Okay, I know your name is Igor because I know the ways of so-called monsters and because research was part of my job with my cousin, it had to be for my ways to work. Now, I know that you're surprised I know your name. Why should I? We've never directly crossed paths. I guess you would be thinking that I may just have looked into you and your kind. Would that be fair? Silence. It may not even surprise you that I know that you are one of triplets and that I know that you were the middle child, but what may surprise you is that I know this not just from research of you personally, but from my knowledge that I ingested from all the books that I've read in my life. The two scars on your chin were the clue that you were the middle child. This did draw a gasp from Igor. You have two small scars on your chin, which means you were the second born. Your brother Galmut has one. And your youngest brother is called Ian, a name which I have to say perplexes me. 
Ian was named after his mother's father, just as Galmut's middle name is Keith and mine is Neville. Of course, your parents were of mixed backgrounds. Igor's fist clenched. No, 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 please understand me when I say that I think that is a wonderful thing. I find it hard to believe you. The reputation of your cousin and yourself are widely known, not so much by myself, but I still know of you. Wolfie had to interrupt. Igor, it kinda seems the real deal here. Listen, previous to my life as a wolfman, I worked for a type of company that needed a certain skill in detecting the truth from the lies. Now, I know when someone is lying, when they are stretching the facts, and when someone is honest. And this guy seems honest. Wolfie, you don't understand. If you knew the rumours of what these men have done, they have attacked so many of us monsters. And now he wants me to believe his intentions are nothing but honourable? Forgive me if I doubt every single word that spews forth from your mouth. I know that it's your cousin who is seen as the so-called hero, but you're always there with him, aren't you? The Count actually mentioned you before as possibly being the one behind this weird happening, but didn't think of you as a threat in any way. However... Now that you are here, that may have to change. Well, as I see that perturbed has increased to seriously miffed, I shall try to cut to the heart of the matter and, and attempt to put your mind at ease. Basically, it's all my cousin's fault. There. Whew. That was easier than I thought. There was a very chilly silence. Too soon for jokes, then? The Count found himself alone. It was something he was used to, though, having been alone for over 400 years now. But now he was feeling it more than ever. He had still not calmed down. He could not believe that Van Helsing was here. The Count had even forgotten for the time being his home being shown on the wall. It must be him that's behind all of this nonsense, all of this drama. Even though Van Helsing is the monkey, the cousin is the organ grinder, he is still here, and surely that's no coincidence. Would it be so long before Abraham made an appearance? That madman? That self-proclaimed hunter of the field and of the unknown? The Count knew that he had to be on his toes. Even though he had told Igor that Van Helsing wasn't a threat, that was because he hadn't actually thought he would show up in this place. He was mad at himself for feeling so naive and stupid. He'd never had the best education when he was a human, but living the lives of five generations can increase a man's knowledge to a vast degree. He would kill at a quiz night. He knew that Van Helsing was outnumbered, but he had no idea how the others would cope in a fight with a man who had the reputation that Van Helsing had. The Count had to do something, and he had an idea what it was.
And that is all for this edition of Popcorn and Monsters. Till we meet again. Hello all, CK here. If you have been enjoying Popcorn and Monsters and you would like to get the episodes ad-free and early, three days early, then you can pop over to patreon.com forward slash popcorn and monsters where you can get the episodes early and ad-free. Plus, you can also get every episode of Mirths and Monsters also ad-free, but they're there for everybody to listen. Also, at the 5 and $8 tiers, you get merch as well, and $8 tiers, you get a Patreon-exclusive mug, as you are a producer of Popcorn and Monsters, plus you get your name read out after every episode. I will also be doing a, a wee series, a written series, of the history of the monsters from the show. Werewolves and vampires and mummies, oh my! So if you'd like to learn that, you can pop over there as well. But... It's time to roll credits, and the credits this week are $8 tier patrons who are Courtney Eli, Kelly Vaughn, you know who you are, Rachel Miller, Amber Shilder, Rianne Potas, Carla Crawford, Connie, Fiber Ash, Dalen Payer, Brandy Johnson, Kristen Dunaway, Nicole Snyder, Nietzsche Florea, Katie Bischoff, Samantha Mason, Ali, and Alicia Tully. Thank you all very, very much. Till next time, my friends. Cut.